Hello, friends. Welcome to the Christchurch Port Orange Midweek Podcast, where we deep dive into the scriptures we examined from the previous Sunday morning without the constraint of time, as well as discuss questions and topics of interest from members of our Christchurch family. I'm Pastor Jesse Jarvis, your host. Let's dive in. Welcome back, friends. Good to be with you after a short delay. Um, we're rejoicing with Bill Mayer, our tech and production director. His wife gave birth to a healthy fourth baby boy, Jonathan, and so he's on paternity leave, and so we have a little delay in our typical midweek podcast. But this particular episode has been much anticipated. Three weeks ago, we welcomed to the Christchurch staff two new full-time pastors, Honey Swihart and Jay Warner, and this brought a question up for some in our congregation as to the role that Honey will be fulfilling and the title pastor. And so the following Sunday, I took the weekend service to talk about the role of women in the church and in um, marriage in a sermon entitled Women in the Design of Creation. And so we had that sermon and I was a little overly ambitious. I tried to get too much done, uh, particularly in the first service. So if you were here at nine o'clock on that Sunday, I kind of opened up a lot of questions and then didn't have the time to really close them up. So I did make some adjustments in the second and third service, but those who are in the first service would have been in a distinct disadvantage and probably left with more questions than answers. And so I mentioned in all three services that we were gonna record a podcast to more slowly go through this topic. And I wanna do that in a way that everybody can understand. And so I have asked uh, my oldest daughter, uh, oldest child and daughter Genevieve to join us. She is 13, going to be 14 here in September, and um, so she's joining us on the podcast today. Hey guys. Um, I've invited Evie, who we call her uh, Evie, to uh, interrupt at any point with questions that she has, and my goal is to explain this topic in a way that she understands. So you sat in one of the three services on that particular Sunday, right? Yep. Second mm-hmm. service? Uh, I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's second, yeah. So second service, and afterward I was asking you, what did you think of the service? And you told me that you felt like a lot of it went over your head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this will give us a good opportunity to slow down and go through these passages and these definitions and really get a good working definition for what these terms are, why this issue is what it is, and how we can process this together. So as I mentioned on Sunday, um, our goal is to be people of the scriptures, to have a deep and abiding faith in God as revealed in the scriptures and most clearly revealed in the person of Jesus. And so we're a Jesus-centered church and we are um, a Bible church. And so the scriptures is where we start, which is why this is such an important topic. Now, I do wanna say before we jump in that a lot of people Um, have responded to this particular decision to hire Honey uh, with affirmation and support and who have responded to to me personally with a lot of support for this content and this position theologically. And some have objected or expressed concern or have expressed um, questions. And I just want to mention that there is a wide degree of disagreement and a huge spectrum on this particular issue. And it's not even a clear spectrum in terms of how do you define what's on the right of the spectrum? How do you define what's on the left of the spectrum? And where do people fit in the middle? And why is that? And a lot of this is wrapped up in culture and tradition in theological distinctives and denominational backgrounds. And so this is not in any way a monolithic um, topic. 
monolithic meaning one one stone or one foundation mm-hmm. like it's all the same yeah. it's very very different so for instance i grew up in a complementarian church which i'm going to describe to you with a with an actual definition but this is a church that affirms the equality of men and women mm-hmm. as created in god's image with equal dignity and value but the distinction of roles, which means men are supposed to do certain things and women are supposed to do certain other things. Mm-hmm. And as men do their things, that's biblical masculinity. And as women do their things, that's biblical femininity. And the two of those things they do, those roles coincide and complement one another. Um, and a lot of that is not played out in the scriptures in terms of what those roles are, but in culture, that is where they're applied. And so there'd be a distinction between culture and the ancient Near East with like Sarah and Abraham Mm -hmm. and there'll be a difference in like the early churches and in the dark ages and in the reformation period and then in today, but the principles are the same. And so this is what I grew up believing. And that particular belief restricts women from any leadership, specifically the role of teaching in the church men. And so they interpret first Timothy two 12, which we started the sermon with two weeks ago or three weeks ago now, Mm I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet as a universal prohibition against women teaching men in the church or holding positions of authority, namely eldership, or in this instance, the role of pastor. Mm -hmm. So having come from that background, there were no women pastors. And in fact, a lot of those churches that we ran with, they wouldn't even have women worship leaders. So you could have a woman vocalist, but she couldn't talk from the stage or like provide an exhortation or read a scripture. So there was a restriction on women and it was based in a foundational belief about the nature of man as male and female. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's where I came from. And I actually have like moved from that belief that I received Mm -hmm. to an entirely different belief from the scriptures. And this is important because um, there are complementarians, like I just described, and there are egalitarians um, who, again, they're not, it's a very big spectrum. It's not all the same, but there are egalitarians and the focus there is equality. So they, mm-hmm. they, would, they would posit that complementarianism creates a dif- power differential between men and women, mm-hmm. which it clearly does. Yeah. And so that makes men and women unequal. So you can say they're equal all day long, mm. but if men have intrinsic authority and power over women, then they're not equal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the egalitarians are, will say, well, there's no difference between men and women. And so they, they need to be equal and therefore there should be no restrictions. Mm-hmm. And because of that, sometimes if they don't have a clear commitment to the scriptures as divine revelation, then they'll say, well, the scriptures were wrong mm-hmm. or the scriptures were antiquated. Or they'll make some arguments like, well, there's a trajectory and the scriptures are happening in time and in culture. And if you continue to follow the trajectory of where this is going, you're going to end up at this place mm-hmm. of egalitarianism. Yeah. But a lot of these arguments, um, while they may be compelling from a personal uh, standpoint or a testimonial standpoint or emotional standpoint, and they oftentimes will point out the exploitation of women and children and abuse of power, and they'll make a compelling um, argument for why you shouldn't have this type of setup, they don't really make strong arguments from the scriptures Mm -hmm. as to why that's the way that God designed it to be. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the issue that we've faced in the church is that the, the people who have been the most, most, the most faithful to the scriptures tend to be on the complementarian side mm-hmm. or even kind of further down the spectrum 
to the patriarchal side. Patriarchal means mm -hmm. the rule of the father. And so that's a little mm -hmm. more heavy. Mm -hmm. So this is like, and, and we have traditions, like even the giving of a bride in a wedding. Yeah. You ever wonder why it is that the, the father gives the bride away mm -hmm. to the groom? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you're like, is that in the Bible anywhere? I don't think so. No, it's yeah. just a tradition. Mm -hmm. It's on the Bible. In fact, the yeah. scripture says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his mm -hmm. wife and the two shall become one flesh. Mm -hmm. But in our culture, the father gives away or hands off the hand of the daughter to the husband, mm -hmm. showing that she is under the authority of the father. And now she's under the authority of the husband. husband. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. But that is very cultural. And we have, we have that even as like a vestige of the past mm -hmm. in our current wedding ceremonies. Less mm -hmm. so now. I've done a lot of weddings where there's no giving of the bride or mm -hmm. the, it's not a formality. It's, it's not mentioned Just, or, yeah. or whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so anyway, those things exist and they're baked into people's understanding of how men and women are supposed to relate to each other and how this is all supposed to work. Mm -hmm. Now, I came to the conclusion that the explanations of the passages, the relevant passages from the complementarian side, while they were rigorously defended and tied to scripture, mm -hmm. they were not consistent. Mm -hmm. They didn't make sense. Yeah. That was my feeling having studied these passages. And I'm going to explain that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I went on a journey of trying to resolve the, what I felt like was a poor interpretation of these passages. Mm. So I felt like, okay, this is one way you can interpret this, but it doesn't seem to naturally fit or it leads you to some conclusions. Yes. For instance, I've had men who hold the complementarian position. And of course, mm. there aren't any women teachers to argue mm. with the men because yeah. women aren't allowed to teach. Mm. So the men would hold this position. And there's a lot of women who hold this position, but they've received it from the men. Mm -hmm. But the men would have this position and they would say, that women are not permitted to teach because Eve was deceived. And they, they would conclude from that, which is what the text actually says, yeah. that women are more easily deceived than men. And mm. this is the reason why men should be teachers and women should not be teachers. Mm. And that's something that they believe. Now, not all of them, but a lot of them. Mm. So then my question becomes like, okay, well then why do we trust women to teach anyone? Yeah. Anything, any subject, any mm. age. But women can teach women and women can teach mm. children. Yeah. And women can teach in high school and middle school and grade school and college. And women can instruct business leaders and corporate leaders, but they can't in the church. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's inconsistent to me. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if women are by, by their very nature more easily deceived and therefore shouldn't teach, then why isn't that the rule across the board? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. yeah. Similarly, 1 Corinthians 14, 33b, which is interesting, through mm -hmm. 35, as in all the churches, the women should keep silent in the churches. Okay, that seems to be an utter prohibition against women opening their mouths mm -hmm. if it's read that way. Yeah. They are not permitted to speak, it says. They should be in submission, as the law says. Unclear as to what law is being referred to there, but that's what it says. Mm -hmm. um, and then it, it concludes, says, if there's anything they desire to learn with the master husbands at home, which it appears to like support that hierarchy of power, mm -hmm. and it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Now, if you take that at face value, then... No women, no, no females at all should mm -hmm. say a thing in any church service. Yeah. But is that what happens? Mm -mm. No. Yeah, no. No. And so you go into these churches and you have women who are singing and you have women who are praying and you have women who do announcements and women who do welcome mm -hmm. and, and women who share testimony and women who share prophecy, depending on the, the group you're in. Mm -hmm. And there's even instruction in First Corinthians chapter 11 about how women ought to pray and prophesy in the meeting. Mm -hmm. And so First Corinthians 14, 33 and 35 can't mean what it says in plain English. Mm -hmm. So we have to ask the question, what does it mean? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So these passages 
cannot possibly mean what they appear to mean at face value. Mm -hmm. And everyone agrees on that. The difference is what are you going to do? What interpretive method are you going to apply to those difficult scriptures in order to make them make sense in your overall understanding of the Bible? Mm -hmm. So that is the issue. And there are people all across the spectrum. There are people who believe that they call themselves soft complementarians. And these would be women should do everything in the church that men do, but they shouldn't be elders or teachers Mm -hmm. or pastors. In which case, our decision to hire honey would violate that conviction. And if it's a biblically founded conviction, then we would be opposing God and his purpose and his design. Mm. And obviously, that's a very, very hot button issue then if we're disobeying God by hiring honey as a pastor. Mm -hmm. Now, there's also those who don't even bother with these scriptures because the scriptures mean nothing to them. And so if (laughs) if they're egalitarian and they go, well, Paul was just a misogynist jerk. Misogynist means... He's hyper-masculine yeah. and chauvinistic and just doesn't think much of women. Mm-hmm. And that's just the, the culture he was in, and that's why he thinks this way and speaks this way. And so uh, he just had some growing to do, and so we shouldn't take that too seriously. But that really undermines the weight and authority of Scripture, doesn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. So if, if you can just throw out anything, then you yeah. become the arbiter of Scripture mm. and what's true. and what's. Yeah. But I would contend that the real problem we have is that no matter where on this spectrum you land as mm-hmm. a person. If the scripture isn't allowed to speak to you and change your mind, mm-hmm. you've already made yourself the final authority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whether you're a complementarian who's just against, categorically against women in ministry, leading in the home, exercising any type of authority or teaching gift, and you have not let the scriptures speak to you, mm-hmm. and you're unwilling to consider what the scriptures might be saying. And I've already heard from a couple people who have just left our church over that. Mm. My appeal to people in that camp is to Mm -hmm. say, I am not asking you to believe anything the scriptures do not teach. Mm. I'm actually saying to you, the scriptures don't teach what you think they teach, Mm -hmm. what you've been told they teach. So I'm asking you to consider a different perspective. And I'm asking you to let the word of God speak to you. Mm -hmm. Now for all of us, we ought to be people who let God's word speak and we adjust. Mm-hmm. which is why I changed my mind from complementarianism, not to egalitarianism, yeah. but to what I call interdependent co-regency. And so I want to take this podcast and I want to make an argument for and describe to Evie and so all of our listeners, mm-hmm. what is interdependent co-regency? Mm-hmm. Before I do that, though, I also want to tell you that my goal in this podcast is to bring you on the journey that I've gone on Mm -hmm. that took me way longer than it was necessary Mm -hmm. in which I gained from doing a lot of scripture work Mm -hmm. keys, a series of keys that unlocked for me a dogmatic way of thinking Mm -hmm. about men and women that was taught to me and that I brought to the text. Mm -hmm. So as I mentioned on Sunday, this is an interpretation issue. This is a hermeneutic issue. This is about how do you interpret what the Bible says and means. Mm -hmm. And then based on that interpretation, how do you then apply that or explain that, exposit that, and then, and then apply it to our culture to go, what should we do as a result of what we've learned here? Mm -hmm. And so that's what Bible study and Bible teaching and hermeneutics and Bible interpretation and even Bible translation. That's all what that's about. Mm -hmm. And so why I was saying like this is a very hot topic it's also an opportunity for us to be um, really honest intellectually mm-hmm. honest about our interpretive method and I think if a lot of people are willing to be honest they will say that they do not have an interpretive method 
they have a series of Bible teachers they trust. Mm, yeah. For some people, that's me. Mm-hmm. Some people in our church, I'm the only pastor they've ever had, I'm the only Bible teacher they'll ever, ever listen to, and they mm-hmm. they trust what I'm saying to them, and that's enough for them. Mm-hmm. Other people, they had a Bible teacher or um, a denomination or some content of teaching that came to them before they ever got to me, mm-hmm. and that has been the, the stuff that they really have built their convictions on. And so if you are saying that because X leader, whatever his name is, yeah. told you this and you believe it, and that's enough for you. Mm-hmm. It's just important that you recognize that you are not for yourself doing the work to mm-hmm. interpret the scriptures and, and let God speak to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're putting a person between you and the meaning of the text. Mm-hmm. Now, God gave the gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers who are all charged by God to share his word with other people. And so it's good that there are people to explain the word to people. Mm-hmm. But we are also in an environment where there's a community of interpretation, where we're all having to do the work for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And this brings us to a particular issue that I didn't get to talk about in church. Yeah. And that is the reason why a lot of young people my age, I say young, I mean in their 30s, yeah. 40s, mm-hmm. even 50s, are presently converting from non-denominational evangelical churches or Lutheran churches or Baptist churches to the Catholic Church mm-hmm. or to the Eastern Orthodox Church mm-hmm. or to of these other ancient churches. Mm-hmm. And it's over the issue of interpretation. Mm-hmm. So one of the big criticisms from the Catholic Church of evangelicalism is that we are um, um, a land of 10,000 popes. I did say that on Sunday. Yeah. And so everyone's their own Bible interpreter. Every person who opens a Bible and has a church and has a podium and starts teaching the Bible is yeah. a Bible interpreter. Mm-hmm. And the Catholic Church and the Eastern Church would say, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. You're not called to do that. The church leaders are the ones who are vested with the divine authority to interpret and apply the scriptures. So like you can't, like, and like a person at home can't open their Bible and then like interpret what, what they think like it means. They have to like follow what the Pope said or whatever. Basically, like, yeah. Yeah, like that. And a lot of Catholics don't read their Bible for that reason. Oh, wow. Like why would you read it if you don't know what it means? Mm. So you go to Mass, and you hear the reading of the Gospels, you hear the sermon, homily, and then you look to your leadership to tell you what to believe and what's right and what's wrong and how to vote mm-hmm. and what issues are is what's the stance of the church on the issues. And this is church of this is true of the Church of England and any place where there's a church with authority mm-hmm. and with history that has the has the keys to interpretation. Mm-hmm. In evangelicalism, Protestantism, so this is post Reformation, this is after Martin Luther said, No, Catholic Church is off. Mm-hmm. These are the things it's off about, and we're gonna start to reform the church became the Reformation. Mm -hmm. Of course, they were opposed by the church and became Protestants. They protested against this. Mm -hmm. And so we are a Protestant denomination Mm -hmm. and we are evangelical, which means we are of the good news. So the good news is at the center of what we believe. Jesus is at the center. So we're evangelical, we're Protestant, we're Baptist. So you know the Catholic Church baptizes infants Mm -hmm. because they're baptized through their family's faith into the church, through the covenant of the church, under the covering of the church, and then they're confirmed as they are catechized or taught the doctrines of the church and then they're saying yes now you're a catholic in your own right Mm. so they go through confirmation and so like they have their own process of making you into a catholic Mm. but in the christian church you're when you make a decision for yourself because you're a hearer of the word and a responder to the word now you're being baptized as an adult or as a child that can make sense a rational Mm. believers baptism Mm -hmm. and so we tend to be evangelical protestant baptist so on and so forth Mm -hmm. yeah does this make sense to you oh yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so the issue is coming down to who has the authority to interpret the scripture. And I'm just, I want to challenge all of our listeners because um, you, may, you may think that you're being faithful to scripture when in fact there is a Bible teacher 
between what God said and what you heard, Mm -hmm. who has come to an interpretive conclusion on a very complex topic, and you are actually allowing them to mediate truth Mm -hmm. for you. And so that is a possibility. The second possibility is that people just go with their gut. They go, this doesn't feel right. This isn't how I was raised. This feels off. And so much of complementarian teaching is, has fear built into it. Mm -hmm. There are so many warnings against the thing that I'm doing right now Mm -hmm. that says, if you are willing to slide on this particular issue or find a loophole around this particular issue, essentially we don't trust you to interpret the rest of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so while that everyone will say that the role of men and women is not a primary scriptural issue, Mm -hmm. doctrinal issue, it's a secondary one. It's not pertinent salvation. People who have female pastors and male pastors Mm -hmm. or just male pastors, they're all saved under the blood of Jesus. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. But because of the interpretive problems to get you to one side or the other, mm-hmm. they've made it a, an, a primary issue, mm-hmm. which is why we left the Gospel Coalition in 2018. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a group of churches who are gospel-focused churches like us, and they have a coalition and a groups and a website and it says, here's all these faithful churches that you can go to in your area. And we were on that list, yeah. along with a, a number of other um, churches. Mm-hmm. But in 2017, the leaders of the Gospel Coalition came out and said, if you are not complementarian, then you can't be a part of our coalition. Oh, wow. And so I had to write to them and say, hey, I, I actually have done a lot of work on this topic and I don't agree with the complementarian position. Mm-hmm. And so if that means we can't be a gospel coalition church, then I guess you need to take us off of your list. Mm-hmm. And they did. Yeah. So since, since January of 2018, we have not been a part of the gospel coalition because mm-hmm. of this particular topic. Yeah. So I'm saying all this because I want everybody to take an honest look at themselves and ask the question, why do I believe what I believe? Mm-hmm. Cause how do you know, like, like who to trust? Like if someone like, who's not a Christian, like how do they figure out which, like you say culture, like do like they trust? Cause like I trust you. Cause I know you've like started and you've done everything from the scriptures and like that you're faithful to that. But like other people who don't know what you've done, yep. like how do they, get to like trust which one that's a great question and and a part of that answer to that is that people typically will just trust the first pastor who they start listening to and following once they've given their life to the lord Mm -hmm. so part of the responsibility of being a pastor and a leader is that we are we are vested with trust we are given trust that we do not earn Mm -hmm. typically yeah this is called default to truth or default to trust Mm -hmm. people will believe me and trust me because i am a pastor because i have this job and i have this role and i have this Mm -hmm. this teaching gift before they even know what I'm like. Mm -hmm. Now you trust me because I'm your dad. You live with me. You see Mm -hmm. what my life looks like. Mm -hmm. You know my flaws, Mm -hmm. but you know that I have a faithful covenant relationship with God, Mm -hmm. that I'm a devoted student of the scriptures, that I don't just make stuff up, that I'm not listening to one or two or three voices. And those are the people who I just, that's what I believe. Like this stuff matters to me. And so Mm -hmm. you can trust me because Mm -hmm. of our relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's really the disposition everyone ought to have is Mm -hmm. not to just if, if a guy has a church of 10,000 or if he has a radio program for 40 years or if he has best-selling books, then you can trust him. It's just not true. Yeah. And so trust ought to be gained in knowledge and in relationship. But we live in a superstar celebrity culture mm-hmm. where if you have a big church, then that means that you're right. And that's just not true. Yeah, no. And so I'm just calling that out mm-hmm. before we get too far into this conversation. Yeah. Because I want people to approach this with some humility. Mm-hmm. And that starts by looking at yourself and going, how do I feel about this change? Mm-hmm. Some people are going, I'm so excited. This needed to happen. Well, why? Why do you think that? Where did that come from? Because yeah. I have an answer to that, but I want to know what your answer is. Mm-hmm. Or this is wrong. I can't believe that our church is going off the rails. Why? Mm-hmm. Where, where, where is the source of your fear? 
Mm. What is the conclusion that you've come to? Because I'm happy to take as long as it takes and have this ongoing conversation with as many people as who want to have it mm. and to explore all of the relevant texts. I've been doing this work for years. Yeah. And part of the reason it took me so long was because no one had done this particular set of work for me. Mm. All the people that I looked to as influencers and teachers, they concluded the complementarian side of the argument and taught it as though it was true without any, without any um, competing argument. In fact, if there ever was a competing interpretation, they would just, they would hit it really hard. Mm. So obviously that's where I came from. But in my own study of the scriptures over a long period of time, Mm -hmm. I just felt, like I said, these things do not make sense. Mm -hmm. They don't mean what they appear to mean on the surface and no one thinks they do. Mm -hmm. And so everyone has to apply some interpretive method Mm -hmm. to make sense of these passages. And that method takes you back to Genesis chapter one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. And then based on what you conclude at Genesis one, two, and three, you now read the whole Bible from that point forward mm-hmm. with a presupposition that if it's intact, namely that men are innately or inherently constructed with authority and women are constructed with submission. Mm-hmm. So if there's a, a hierarchy or a differential of power in the genders, mm-hmm. then you will apply that in your interpretation of the scriptures all the way for the rest of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then you will be in a position when you get to these particular challenging texts to come to some conclusions about them. Now, everybody needs to draw conclusions about these passages. They're tricky passages, yeah. but the conclusions you draw will reveal what you have brought from Genesis one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. And so what I tried to do on Sunday when I addressed it was to take us to Genesis one, two, and three and to make a case for what I call interdependent Mm co-regency now that's a mouthful yeah (laughs) and i want to explain what that means but it's not Mm complementarianism and it's not egalitarianism Mm -hmm. i like the term complementarianism because men as mankind as male and female are complementary yeah it's very obvious Mm -hmm. and so it's a great term Mm -hmm. and i like egalitarianism because men and women as made in the image of god are also equal Mm -hmm. and so we are equal and we are different and we complement each other. Mm-hmm. And so there's truth there. The question is not about whether we complement each other or whether yeah. we're equal. The question is about, is there a differential of power between men and women? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if there is, is that from God or is that a result of the fall? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So that is the pertinent question. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I do want to say also, and I know I'm rambling a little bit. Hopefully you're, you're tracking with me. Oh, yeah. No. Um, I do want to say... This is, a, this is a conclusion that I came to after a series of years mm-hmm. from about 2010 mm-hmm. when I became a lead pastor and I was solely responsible to do all the preaching. Yeah. And I found myself going, everything that I say matters so much. I am not just, I'm not just a youth pastor, an associate pastor who yeah. gets a week to preach a sermon mm-hmm. and can focus for weeks at a time on a particular passage and I can just ignore or avoid hard things. Mm-hmm. I am now in charge of the spiritual diet of this congregation. And so from 2010, I think there was a weight that I felt to understand and to not have any unresolved tension in my heart before I preached. Mm -hmm. And so I carry that even today. Mm -hmm. And so that began a journey for me that I had to do a lot of hard work on because there wasn't someone like me who who could explain to me what I have discovered in the text. Mm-hmm. And I have listened to hundreds of people mm-hmm. and I have found dozens of people who have really strong, like logical, reasonable arguments and draw different conclusions. And I have not found any of them overly compelling. Mm. And that's hard. Yeah, That's hard for me mm-hmm. because, you know, I don't want to assume that I'm alone 
And I, I think hopefully there's other people out there who maybe haven't just been published or haven't gotten into the public debate. Mm-hmm. But what appears to be very obvious to me from the scriptures um, is not normal. Mm-hmm. And so I, this is why I'm asking everybody who's a part of our Christchurch family to go on this journey with us. Mm-hmm. But this is not new. So if you've been coming to Christchurch for any length of time, Evie's been coming her whole life. Yeah. <laughs> so she's, she was, well, how old are you? Six when we started Christchurch. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've been here the whole entire time. Mm-hmm. But in our marriage, Tiffany and I have never had a complementarian type of relationship where mm-hmm. I had some headship that meant I had authority, yeah. that I had the last call or the final say, that she was called to submit to me all things and I had a built-in differential of power because I was a man. Mm-hmm. We, I've never believed that or we've never operated that way in our marriage. Mm-hmm. I did believe that about ministry and therefore was only ever part of churches where there was no women in leadership. Mm-hmm. In fact, women weren't allowed to contribute to decision-making conversations at all. Mm-hmm. And in fact, your mom was corrected and adjusted regularly for ever offering in her opinion mm-hmm. on leadership type decisions by our all male eldership. Mm-hmm. And that's really painful. Yeah. And for the last eight years, she has been serving and leading with me mm-hmm. and Christ church is what it is today yeah. in part, in large part because of her influence and leadership as a woman and as a co-equal mm-hmm. in leading the church with me. Yeah, and I've seen that in our household too, just the way that you guys talk to each other even just before you go preach and like how you take your advice after you preach for like other Sundays and stuff. So I've seen that, mm-hmm. so which yeah, helps too. And a lot of people haven't. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't seen that and you suspect that men are supposed to lead and women are supposed to follow, mm-hmm. then from the outside it could look like, well, Pastor Jesse is a man mm-hmm. and he preaches and teaches and leads and, and Tiffany is his wife and mm-hmm. she's supportive and kind and caring. And it could just look like the complementarian model just because mom doesn't want to have the title pastor, doesn't Mm -hmm. feel called to be a pastor. Yeah. But we could have called her Pastor Tiffany from 2015 Mm -hmm. and everyone had a different set of expectations. Mm -hmm. So part of the reason this is difficult for some people is because of the way that we're structured. It's not visible. It's Mm -hmm. not immediately visible that we're not Mm -hmm. a complementarian church. Mm -hmm. But we've never been a complementarian church. Mm -hmm. All of the years of Christ Church, we've not been a complementarian church. This is why we left the Gospel Coalition in 2018 I'd already concluded I was a soft complementarian going into 2015, 16, mm-hmm. and very quickly thereafter was able to resolve my last set of hangups mm-hmm. before I was able to go, this isn't the model that I'm supposed to apply. Mm-hmm. So Christchurch is what it is, and there isn't a word for it. It doesn't mm-hmm. fit neatly into complementarity or egalitarianism. Mm-hmm. But this idea of interdependent co-regency is in fact the what I believe is the biblical model in the design of creation in Genesis mm-hmm. 1 and 2 that is that is highlighted for us through a redemptive stream of narrative all through the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to read the Old Testament differently when you believe that God made man and woman equal mm-hmm. and, and duly tasked, equally tasked them to exercise dominion in a partnership as men and women in marriage mm-hmm. and in the society of family and in community that they're supposed to be leadership. Now, their hierarchy, like I said on Sunday, is not a bad thing. And there is often hierarchy that requires one person, not two people, mm-hmm. to be in charge of a people or an organization or a society. Mm-hmm. So you have a president, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You have a general. Mm-hmm. You have a pastor or a leader or a CEO. Mm-hmm. And that person is not, their, their spouse is not necessarily in that title. Yeah. And so you would expect to see both men and women fulfilling that role in particular ways and in different ways throughout the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, it, and you do. But if you, have, if you have brought from your reading of Genesis 1 and 2 
an idea that there's an innate authority built into masculinity, you're going to read that differently. Mm-hmm. Where if you see that there's a interdependence between men and women in marriage and in general, mm-hmm. that we need both the female side and the male side in order to find God's heart and God's purpose and yeah. God's plan and God's fullness. And that we're, we're equally called to bring leadership and dominion to the earth in a partnership. Well, then you're going to, you're going to get to these stories all throughout the old Testament and you're going to see things very differently. Mm-hmm. And so if we have time, then this may be a second episode. We may yeah. go back and go, well, let's look at the old Testament. Let's yeah. look at Abraham and Sarah. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the dynamic between their relationship and what is featured for us as good and bad about that relationship. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. look at the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the role their wives and the selection and choice and, and how their wife acted in the relationship and what that's supposed to tell us about what is virtuous in women and men. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the story of Moses with Aaron and Miriam leading alongside his brother and sister, leading alongside of him. Mm-hmm. What, what are we supposed to conclude about that? Let's talk about the daughters of Zeholophod. Mm-hmm. whose father died in the wilderness and who yeah. they appealed to Moses to receive their father's inheritance. Mm-hmm. That, could, that doesn't get a lot of airplay in complementarian circles. No. Yeah. Let's talk about Deborah and her leadership as a prophetess who the spirit of God fell on her and she was equipped to lead Israel as a judge. Mm-hmm. And how do you interpret that passage? Is that an ideal or is that a dilemma? Mm-hmm. And so complementarians would go, well, a woman leading is the judgment of God. Well, yeah. why? The passage mm-hmm. doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. The passage says something about a man being judged for his unwillingness to lead. That was Barak. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a judgment against Barak that Deborah was in charge. It was a judgment against Barak that Jael took the victory mm-hmm. in the war and not Barak. Yeah. And so there's a, lot, there's a bunch of different ways people tend to interpret the scriptures. Mm-hmm. But it's not as though the Bible is this monolithic patriarchal story of all, only men being in charge all the time mm-hmm. and women who only always seeking to usurp that and causing trouble. And that's the way that gets interpreted. Mm-hmm. And so you have lots of prophetesses. You have Huldah, who's, um, we can go over her story. Mm-hmm. Isaiah's wife was a prophet, we read. Mm-hmm. You get into yeah. the New Testament, mm-hmm. Philip's four daughters were all prophesying. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the image of the new covenant age from Joel chapter two is that when God's spirit would fall, he would pour out his spirit he would do so on all flesh, mm-hmm. that your sons and your daughters would prophesy, mm-hmm. that your old men would see visions and your young men would dream dreams, even on your um, maidservants and manservants. And so like no class differential, no gender differential, no age differential. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets the spirit of God. Yeah. And so you have to do something with those passages. Mm-hmm. You can reduce them down to only speaking about salvation, like a lot of people, a lot of complementarians do. Mm-hmm. And so you get to Galatians 3.28 and you go, there is, in Christ there is, male there is no male and female and you go oh that just means that now circumcision isn't the sign now baptism is and so it's not a male covenant it's a male and female covenant it's only about circumcision or Mm -hmm. you can say i think there may be a whole lot more to that where redemption is recovering what in genesis 3 15 16 is saying is actually a product of the fall and that is a woman would have a desire for her husband and that he would rule over her Mm -hmm. that that was actually a bad thing and not a design thing. Mm-hmm. But you have to come to these conclusions and then carry your conclusions through to these tricky passages in the New Testament. Yeah. Does this make sense mm-hmm. to you? Yep. Okay, so let me just clear up some of these terms, right? Mm-hmm. So patriarchy, mm-hmm. which you don't watch a lot of television, yep. <laughs> but if you were to watch television today, the culture of today is anti-patriarchy. Patriarchy is only ever talked about as a bad thing. Mm. And patriarchy means father rule. Mm-hmm. That's what it means. It means the power exists in the head of household, the oldest head of household. Mm -hmm. And so the father is in charge, 
That means the firstborn son has a right to inheritance and property and ownership and royalty and power above the other sons and that the women have nothing. Mm. And so the only way that women are cared for is by their position next to the men in this hierarchy of power. Mm. And so patriarchy is what you do see in the Old Testament all the way through. Mm -hmm. We call them the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob becomes Israel. Israel has 12 sons. Mm. His sons all get married and have children. That becomes Mm -hmm. the people of Israel. The tribes are given the names of the sons of Israel. Mm -hmm. Joseph, of course, becomes Ephraim and Manasseh because he has two sons. That's Mm -hmm. a whole thing we could talk about later. But you can see the lineage follows through the line of the men Mm -hmm. and the progenitor, which means the firstborn son. Mm -hmm. And so you do see the structure of patriarchy. It is in the Bible. I'm not saying that it's not there. Mm -hmm. It is there. But what you do with it and how you interpret it is going to be based on what you believe from Genesis 1 and 2. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So that's patriarchy. Mm -hmm. Traditionalism Mm -hmm. is a little different. Traditionalism tends to look a lot like patriarchy because this is a way that people have organized society for a long time. Mm -hmm. There's nothing inherently wrong with organizing a society around patriarchy. Mm -hmm. In fact, it can be advantageous for nomadic tribes, hunters and gatherers. When you have a big old man who's been around and knows a lot and he's strong, Mm -hmm. you have this alpha male figure, Mm -hmm. everyone is safer. That's what you're talking about in your sermon. Right. right? Mm -hmm. So patriarchy in and of itself is not bad, Mm -hmm. but the fact that it's been like that for a long time and sometimes that has served God's purposes and human purposes, Mm -hmm. that's called traditionalism. Mm -hmm. And so there's a a lot of conservatives and we would call ourselves conservatives politically. Mm we go, listen, if something's here and it's good, let's not just change it without thinking about why we did it in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so tradition is not bad, but traditionalism locks us into doing things simply because that's the way we've always done them. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's not a good enough reason. Mm-hmm. There are things that do need to change and progress, which is why progressives are always about changing things. Yeah. We don't want to change them quickly. We don't want to change them without understanding why we're changing them, mm-hmm. but things shouldn't always necessarily stay the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You understand? Yeah. So that's traditionalism. Mm-hmm. So complementarianism, we've already kind of defined that. Mm-hmm. Complementarianism is the view that men and women are created equal in their mm-hmm. being, yeah. value, and personhood, mm-hmm. yet they complement each other mm-hmm. with different roles and responsibilities as manifested in marriage, family life, and in the church. This is from renew.org. I like their definitions very clear. Yeah. They also describe egalitarianism. Like complementarianism, egalitarianism holds that men and women are created equal in their being, value, and personhood. But egalitarianism diverges from complementarianism by teaching that there are no unique roles for men in the home and church. Men and women in this view have interchangeable roles and adhere to mutual submission toward each other. When it comes to church leadership, egalitarianism means women do everything in the church that men do, that they should be championed as pastors, teachers, preachers, and elders. Now, I actually agree with the conclusion, but to say that there's no uniqueness to men and women is silly. Yeah. And to try to flatten out men and women as the same Mm -hmm. is silly. And I'm saying to you that the reason why women ought to actually function in roles like pastors and teachers is because they are uniquely and personally gifted Mm -hmm. and called by God with spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. And because as women, they are different than the men Mm -hmm. who are their counterparts. So it's actually a really good thing to be in a community where there is men and women leading. Mm -hmm. Because you're not only going to be led by men, but you're going to be experiencing the benefit, the added benefit Mm -hmm. of having the wisdom, experience, and direction um, and protection of a woman's point of view, particularly a called woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, like the perspective of a woman and a man, because like they can have 
different views of what like how they see things too which is good to see like different points of views which i think is good yeah yeah and in marriage like uh-huh. there's things that mom and dad talk about mm-hmm. and dad changes mom's mind yeah and we do something different than she would have done mm-hmm. but there's lots of times too when we are having a conversation and i would have done it a certain way and then when i hear her perspective she changes my mind mm-hmm. or yeah. or as we come together it fills out a picture that takes us in a totally different direction because mm-hmm. of the the two different perspectives mm-hmm. and it's that interdependence and that that honoring of equality mm-hmm. that allows us to bring dominion to the to the to the sphere that god has mm-hmm. given to us to oversee does that make sense yeah so i don't i'm not an egalitarian because i think that it's silly to say that there's not no difference between men and women mm-hmm. it's actually the difference that adds the value to them being yeah. in, the, in the position <laughs> mm-hmm. you'll notice that both of these positions use the word role a lot, mm-hmm. that there's these roles of men and women. Mm-hmm. And that gets really messy. There's no roles in the Bible. Yeah. In Genesis 1 and 2, the only thing that you could construe as a role that's mm-hmm. different between men and women is that men were made to work and women were made to have child- bear children. Mm-hmm. Now, you women can't have children, you know already, you're 13, yeah. without a man, yeah. <laughs> right? So a man's required yeah. for child making, mm-hmm. but child bearing is left to the woman. Yeah. And so if you're going to talk about a role, well, there's a nurturing role, there's a mothering role, there's a, there's a, um, uh, there's a, a part of ma- the maternal instinct is to care for mm-hmm. your children. And so women are uniquely built by God to do that in a way that men are not. Yeah. But children also need their dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Little children need mm-hmm. their dad. Mm-hmm. And mom needs dad to be helpful in the nurturing and the raising of the children. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so we ought to be doing this together even though we're built different. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Also, if you go to Proverbs 31 and you look at like the Proverbs 31 ideal woman, mm-hmm. she does raise her family, care for her children, and lead her home. But she's also industrious and entrepreneurial mm-hmm. and investing and working outside of her home. Yeah. And so the picture here is not what limits a woman and what she ought to do that's restricted to her quote-unquote role, mm-hmm. but how God made her and then how she should use all of those gifts in this co-regency. Mm-hmm. And when I say regency, I mean rulership. Mm-hmm. So a regent yeah. is one who rules under. Okay. And co-regents are doing this together. So mm-hmm. man is male yeah. and female are extending the uh, the authority of God in the earth, imaging God in the earth, mm-hmm. and bringing God's good creation to order. Mm-hmm. And that's co-regency. And so this is what I am uh, I am saying. Complementarianism, great, co- great concept and ideal, but it's off mm-hmm. in that it creates a power differential and, in between men and women and invests men with an innate authority that I do not see they have in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. You will disagree with me, that's fine. Yeah. But we need, to, we need to point out that that's where we disagree. Yeah. Egalitarians... They really harp on the equality, but they diminish the differences between men and women, mm-hmm. which I'm not an egalitarian for that reason, yep. because I want to value the differences between men and women. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to church leadership, the outcome of egalitarians is that there isn't a restriction on women that's based in this power differential. Mm-hmm. When you get to complementarians, get to these tricky passages and they go, oh, it's because men are called by God and made particularly to lead and exercise authority because that's a part of their nature. Yep. Therefore, it makes perfect sense of why the women shouldn't teach or have authority. Mm-hmm. But that's that's a false conclusion that I would posit to you. Yeah. And I would also say that it's one that is inconsistently applied mm-hmm. by almost all complementarians. Yeah. There are some complementarians who are actually patriarch, biblical patriarchalists, mm-hmm. and they would say that this passage ought to be literally interpreted and there should be no speaking from women in church at all. But I actually think that's more consistent. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to say, like, I'm going to take this word for word Mm -hmm. in English as it renders, and I'm going to read backwards into the scriptures, to me that's more consistent than someone saying, well, it can't mean what it appears to mean, but it means this 
yeah. which doesn't make any sense or isn't in the text instead of this. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you, hopefully in this episode, I don't know how much time we have left. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you um, alternate ways of reading these passages mm-hmm. that, is, that makes them make perfect sense mm-hmm. and that fits with the interdependent co-regency interpretation of Genesis 1 and 2. Yeah. And does not violate these passages whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Doesn't take them out of the Bible. Doesn't say that they're wrong. Mm-hmm. It just says there's more going on here than we know about. And mm-hmm. if we knew everything that the original readers knew, this would make perfect sense. Yeah. But I'm saying that no matter what side of this mm-hmm. topic you're on, you have to do that. Yeah. No one is not doing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Everyone's doing it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about how that happens. Mm-hmm. So here's what I want to do. I don't want to spend a lot of time in the podcast going back over principles of interpretation. Mm-hmm. We talked on, on the Sunday that I addressed this about genre, context, yeah. authorial intent, composition, occasion, and syntax. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to do this work before you can know what the passage means mm-hmm. and what it meant to its original audience. Mm-hmm. The part that I, I do want to just come back to is what we started the podcast with, and that is state your bias. Mm-hmm. Recognize that you did not come to the scriptures as an ob- objective observer mm-hmm. who has no opinion. You were influenced way before you ever got to the interpretive process. Mm-hmm. Someone you trusted told you a thing and you believed it. Yep. Someone you trusted instilled in you a fear that if you wrongly interpreted this, that something bad would happen and you believe that. Mm-hmm. Recognize that fear. I had to do this work and I want everyone to do this work. Mm-hmm. Even for you, Evie. Mm-hmm. Recognize that you are listening to your dad mm-hmm. whom you trust implicitly. Yeah. And that's going to give you a, a bias to go, well, I just believe whatever my dad says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you could skip doing the work. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what will happen is you'll go to college and somebody will say, I don't know how you can be a Christian. How could you believe this? And they'll stick you with something and you, I don't know what my dad thinks about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with that? Mm-hmm. And, it, and if you, at some point in your life, don't trust me or you're angry at me or whatever happens, mm-hmm. well, then how quickly might you just go, wow, that jerk, mm-hmm. this is all garbage. And this happens to college students all the time. Yeah. So you need to be able to come to a position where you know what God's word says mm-hmm. and it means something to you. Yeah. And I, you trust me. And so I've helped you to get there, mm-hmm. but you've grappled with these questions for yourself. Mm-hmm. This also matters too, because like as a woman mm-hmm. who's going to be a wife, who's going to be a mother... Mm-hmm. Who's going to be in the church of Jesus? Mm-hmm. Where do you fit? Yeah. How are you going to use your gifts? What is God's design for you? Mm-hmm. And so this is very important for you to come to a conclusion on. And so I want you to recognize that you have a bias. Mm-hmm. I have a bias. Every listener has a bias. Yeah. And so state your bias. Mm-hmm. Let's be humble about this. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. And let's have uh, one of the reasons I'm not a Catholic and not an Eastern. I'm not in the Eastern church is because I'm not looking to a Pope or history or tradition to shape the view of the scriptures for me. Mm-hmm. But I'm also not looking to every YouTube Christian pastor. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm also not looking to every blogger. Mm-hmm. I'm looking to the Holy Spirit and I'm looking to a, an interpretive method and I'm mm-hmm. doing the work for myself, even recognizing my own bias. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing that in community with other people. Yep. And so what you, you're, the reason you're on the podcast is not just so I can explain this to you, mm-hmm. but you're here also to say, well, what about this? Yeah. And I'm going to benefit from your questions and from your perspective. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this is what um, this is what community hermeneutics looks like. Mm-hmm. And so this is why I want to invite other people through the podcast and through conversation mm-hmm. to come to these conclusions and to, to grapple through these challenges. Mm-hmm. So we had a great conversation with a gentleman um, this Sunday when we talked about this who came up to us afterward. Mm-hmm. And he said, in his perspective, men are generally more intelligent 
mm-hmm. and more trustworthy and discerning than women. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the reasons he thinks the complementarian position is correct. Mm-hmm. But we had to ask him, like, why do you think that? Mm-hmm. Like, what evidence do you have to say mm-hmm. that? Does yeah. the Bible say that anywhere? Or is this from your experience and observation? Mm-hmm. And who is the person that has led you to this conclusion? Mm-hmm. Now, your mom was standing right there. And obviously, that gets very offensive to her to just go, <laughs> in general, men are smarter than women. Mm-hmm. When Mm -hmm. that's just not the case. Like there's all different levels of smartness. Mm -hmm. There are very smart men and there are Mm -hmm. very smart women. Mm -hmm. There are very low intelligence men and there are very low intelligence women. Intelligence is a human factor, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't in any way dictate our our value, Mm -hmm. but it does dictate our intellect and our conversation. Mm -hmm. And so it's okay to recognize that some people are smarter than others, but to say that all men in general are smarter than all women. Whereas you might say that all men are stronger like in general, men are stronger than women. It doesn't mean every man is stronger than every woman. Yeah. There's plenty of women who are way stronger than most men. Mm-hmm. But in general, men are built physically this way and mm-hmm. women are built physically in another way to do different things. Yeah. And therefore, it's generally true, which is why you have more men who are soldiers and firefighters and police officers and construction workers mm-hmm. because they're built for work. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a known observation that everyone's dealing with. Yeah. And there are notable exceptions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with recognizing those notable exceptions, mm-hmm. but it's okay to also say it's good for men, soldiers to mostly be men. Yeah. But does that mean we should preclude all women from ever being soldiers? No. Yeah. No. Do you understand the dilemma? Yeah. So we need to learn to state our bias and have a humble conversation about where we came from, why we're where we're at. Uh, on Sunday too, I tried to like s- submit some like other interpretive methods that people have that I've encountered. The fundamentalist hermeneutic of just reading your Bible literally whenever possible will lead you to some crazy conclusions. So the Bible is literature and so it needs to be interpreted literarily, not Mm -hmm. literally. Otherwise, you're going to get off. Mm -hmm. There's the blueprint hermeneutic we talked about where we're trying to look at the Bible as a model of how we should shape every part of our life. But Mm -hmm. the blueprint of how God's people are organized changes Mm -hmm. drastically between early parts of Genesis and Abraham and then Israel and there's a nation and a government and civics and then the temple's destroyed and now we're spread out and elders are established and there's the different ways the church has interacted in the world and there's Episcopalian bishops and cardinals and I mean it's nothing about what's happening at any point in time Mm -hmm. is for everyone for all of time when it comes to structure but there are universal principles for all time and we have to be able to do the difference of pulling the two apart Mm -hmm. and so if you're looking at the bible to go give me a blueprint for how to build my life you're going to come to some conclusions that are no longer relevant Mm -hmm. and are unhelpful Mm -hmm. but you need to recognize that and state that bias Mm -hmm. so we could go on and on i don't want to do that yeah but i do want to go back to these passages and i do want to give people the keys that unlocked these things for me. Mm-hmm. So number one key. Yeah. The number one key was recognizing that the passages that are the hardest, 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12, mm-hmm. 1 Corinthians 14, 33b to 35, yeah. they cannot mean what they appear to mean at first read. Yeah, oh yeah. Nobody thinks they can. Mm-hmm. Like if there's somebody, there may be, I, I mentioned there's like the, <laughs> the utter silence crowd. Yeah. But they are doing damage to other texts of scripture by holding on to that one, and I think there's reasons why they're holding on to that one. So that's I'm I'm mm, I'm, yeah. I'm throwing them out. Yeah. Out of the out of the <laughs> category. So which means key number one, everybody has to do something with what the Bible says that appears to be a contradiction. Mm-hmm. So when First Corinthians eleven tells women to cover their heads when they prophesy and pray in church, mm-hmm. that means their mouths are moving and words are coming out. Mm-hmm. That means that the women should keep silent cannot mean that they should keep silent. Yeah. 
So what does that word mean? That's key number one. Mm -hmm. The first key for me was I have to decide what these passages mean. Mm -hmm. So for instance, a complementarian rendering of 1 Corinthians 14, 33b to 35 Mm -hmm. says, well, the women were trying to involve themselves in the judging of prophecy. Mm -hmm. And that was the role of the men because that's an authority role and that's an eldership role. Mm -hmm. So the apostle Paul was prohibiting the women from speaking during the judgment of prophecy. Yeah. But does it say anything about the pro- judgment of prophecy in there? Mm-mm. It doesn't. Yeah. Not, it's not directly connected. Mm-hmm. It is in the passage, so it's, you can pull it from direct context and go, well, prophecy was talked about. And, and then you can go over to, to 1 John and go, well, we're supposed to test all things and hold fast to that, which is good. Or that's First Thessalonians, sorry. Mm-hmm. So like, you can do some dancing, but you are doing some dancing mm-hmm. to come to that conclusion. And it fits your paradigm, so that's, okay, that's good enough for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But that is an interpretive method, and it's one of many options. So that is an option. It is not the only option, and it is not clear from the text. Mm -hmm. But key number one was that everybody has to do some interpretation Mm -hmm. to make sense of these things that cannot be what they mean. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So that's key number one. Yeah. Key number two is that both of these passages directly reference Adam and Eve in the creation order. Yeah. And that is really helpful Mm -hmm. because, as I mentioned in the sermon— There's this principle we use called the analogy of faith. And this means that the scriptures get along. Mm. There's nothing in the scriptures that are actually contradictory, which means all apparent contradictions can be resolved. Mm -hmm. All we have to do is use the clearer passages of scripture Mm -hmm. to help us interpret the unclear passages of scripture. And so when 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 13 says, For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor, Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue faith, love, and holiness with self-control. That brings us back to a very clear passage of scripture. Yeah. And if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, which says women should keep silent, but then you go to 11, and 11 says that women should pray with their heads covered, and that's not keeping silent. But 11 also says in verse 8, for man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Well, that's also confusing. What does because of the angels mean? Yeah. What's a symbol of authority? What does that word mean and how is it used there? And how can yeah. we re- render that in English? It's not really a whole lot simpler. Verse 10, it's mm-hmm. equally complex. Yeah. But again, we have a reference, a direct reference, a logical, reasonable argument that is going from something very clear mm-hmm. to help us understand something very complex. Yeah. So that was key number two. All roads lead back to Genesis. Mm-hmm. And so if I get Genesis right then that will make these make sense. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? Mm-hmm, yeah. So that was key number two. Yeah. Key number two took me back to Genesis 1 and 2, which is why I built the sermon a few Sundays ago the way that I did. Mm-hmm. So I go back to Genesis. We read Genesis 1, which gives us the creation account, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. Mm-hmm. And God saw that it was good. Mm-hmm. Formed and filled. We get all those beautiful components, yeah. which end in chapter 1 and verse 26 that says that... God made man in his image. Mm-hmm. Male and female, he made them. Mm-hmm. And he blessed them. Be fruitful, multiply. Yeah. So Genesis 1 is concluded. And all you get out of that is that mankind is God's special creation. We're different from everything else. Mm-hmm. He made all this stuff for us. He formed it so he could fill it with us. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So form, fill, form, fill, form, fill. Mm-hmm. So is there? there's nothing in chapter 1 that would in any way say that there's a differential, power differential between man as male and female. Mm-hmm. Both of them made in God's image. Both of them called to be fruitful and multiply. 
can't do that without each other. Mm-hmm. And both called to have dominion over the whole earth. Mm-hmm. Do you see it? Yeah. So chapter one gives you nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, then you go to chapter two. Well, I shouldn't say chapter one gives you nothing. Mm-hmm. Chapter one gives you quality mm-hmm. and interdependence by inference. And the interdependence is be fruitful, multiply. Mm-hmm. And we know that they can't do that without each other. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. So you are getting something in chapter one. I'm not saying nothing. I'm just saying it gives you no direct answer to the question, is there a power differential? Yeah. So then you get to chapter two. Mm-hmm. And chapter two is doing very, very, very important work. It is going backwards in time when there was no bush in the field. So now we're going, we're day six of creation, but we're not yet to where man has been made. Mm-hmm. So we're getting, we're given a time marker. We're going backwards in the story in chapter one mm-hmm. to give us a new narrative, mm-hmm. not about that God created man as male and female and they're equal and they've been given this, this co-regent calling to have dominion. Mm-hmm. But now we're getting some description about how that happened that's supposed to tell us some things and reinforce some things. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this is my third key. So my first key was you have to make an interpretation about these. Yeah. Second key was they take you back to Genesis 1 and 2, mm-hmm. particularly Genesis 2. Yeah. Genesis 1 leads you to this picture of interdependent co-regency. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to get to chapter 2. And what is it going to do to adjust or fill out that perspective? Mm-hmm. This is my business. So this is our fourth key. Mm-hmm. Genesis Two starts to describe for us the the creation of man as male and female, mm-hmm. and so you start with the creation of man, mm-hmm. and you get the same pattern that God formed and mm-hmm. filled. Yeah, He formed the man from the dust of the earth, mm-hmm. and then He filled him with the breath of life. Mm-hmm. So He's yep. formed and He's filled. Mm-hmm. So the earth is formed for Adam, and now the earth is filled with humans. But we only have one, the yeah. man, Adam, mm-hmm. the man, the dirt man. Mm-hmm. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and keep it. So this is the, this is the calling of mankind to exercise dominion through work and keeping. And these are important words to the rest of the Bible mm. because our work matters and our rest matters. Our keeping of things or our observing of things, our doing the things God put us there matters. Those are very loaded words. Mm-hmm. Verse 16 says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Mm -hmm. Now, Adam received this direct revelation from God while he was alone. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And that was one of the points that Paul made. He said, Adam was formed first. Mm -hmm. And Adam was not deceived. Eve was deceived. Okay? Mm -hmm. So there's a difference here. Not a differential of power, but a difference. Adam knew something from God that Eve did not receive from God. Yeah. Do you see this? Mm-hmm. Do you see how yeah. Paul's connecting mm-hmm. this? So this is a key for us. It's after this in verse 18 that it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. This is not Adam recognizing that he's sad to be alone. Mm-hmm. This is God looking at his creation. And again, he saw that it was good. Mm-hmm. And he said that it was good. Mm-hmm. Behold, it is good. Mm-hmm. Now, with man being alone, God says it is not good. And he decides that he is going to make a helper fit for him. Now, we don't have time in this podcast episode to get into all of the word helper. Yeah. Azer is the word in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And it is it is used to speak of God as the helper of mankind more than any other t- uh, any other title. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's used for Eve here, but it's used mostly of God. Mm-hmm. This is the title that the Holy Spirit is given after Christ leaves and the new covenant begins. Yeah. He is what actually makes us able to be 
the co-regents that God made us to be is mm-hmm. the helper that we have from God. Mm-hmm. But there is a calling that the man has as male and female. The man cannot do it alone. And so God's going to give him that interdependent co-regent partner. And that word there is helper. Mm-hmm. This is not a pejorative, meaning a discouraging term. This is not a, a bad nickname. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, I call, I call Buddy my little helper. Yeah. You know, or my mm-hmm. big, I, sometimes I say he's my big helper. Yeah. But he's not big and he's not helping. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it's kind of like a little jab. Mm-hmm. But people will read helper as like a little jab. Like, okay, man's mostly good. Mm-hmm. There's just a couple things he can't do. He kind of needs some help. Mm-hmm. And so you're like the helper. Yeah. You're like the part-time help that you pay minimum wage. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very diminished view. Mm-hmm. That's the exact opposite of how this word should hit us. Mm-hmm. So we're getting close to wrapping up and we'll pick up on maybe another episode. Mm-hmm. The, the point of chapter two is that God is showing man mm-hmm. that he can't do what he's called to do alone. Yeah. That there's a, there is a mandate and a dominion that is gifted to mankind that can only happen in the covenant of marriage and through the production of children and the family unit. Mm-hmm. And this is where humanity is going to be built, society is going to be built, and what we're going to find out in chapter 3 mm-hmm. is that the savior of the world is going to come through this process mm-hmm. of the woman giving birth to children. Yeah. Adam was told that the day that they eat of it, they would surely die. Mm-hmm. Eve, when she's tempted by the devil in chapter 3, she recites some version of this that's filled with confusion. Mm-hmm. She says that we can't we can't eat of it and we can't even touch it. And that wasn't there anything that we saw before, yeah. is it? Mm-hmm. Right? And so then the devil's able to come back, the serpent's able to come back to her and say, did God really say this? Mm-hmm. What did God actually say? Yeah. So he looks for her misunderstanding and he exploits her misunderstanding. And he starts to appeal to her looking with her eyes and instead of trusting God, trusting in herself. Mm. Which is where we started this podcast. Yeah. Are you going to trust yourself or, yeah. or are you going to trust mm-hmm. God? Yep. And if you are making another person in a priestly way the interpreter of the Bible for you and you just trust them and you go with what they say, mm-hmm. that's not helpful. Yeah, no. And ultimately, if you're going to go with how you feel about this passage or how you feel about this topic and not what the Bible yeah. actually says, mm-hmm. then you've done the same thing. Yep. You've decided what I see, what I decide is good, that's what's good. Mm-hmm. This is the original problem. Yep. Eve is susceptible because she's deceived. Mm-hmm. Adam, though, who was, with it, who was with her, took it and ate. And he disobeyed. Mm. Now, this doesn't mean that Eve did nothing wrong. I was yeah. challenged in one of the sermons that someone said, oh, you're making it sound like Eve did nothing wrong. No. Yeah. Eve became a transgressor. Yeah. But it was because she was not well taught mm. and therefore deceived. Mm-hmm. And so when you get to 1 Timothy, the argument the Apostle Paul is making is not that all women should not be teachers and should not have authority over all men, mm-hmm. but that a woman, or in this case, I think more accurately, a wife, mm-hmm. ought not in this instance to be the teacher or to exercise authority over her husband in this particular instance that I think Timothy was very well acquainted with, which Mm -hmm. we'll talk about in a subsequent podcast, because first Timothy is all about heretical teachers and widowed women who are going from house to house and who are Mm -hmm. stirring up controversy and who are causing trouble. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm convinced from first Timothy, the whole letter, which we don't have time to get into. We will in the next podcast Mm -hmm. That there were, when, there were a group of women, and I think there was one specific woman mm. who I believe had a husband yep. who was the ringleader of these women mm-hmm. and who was in a dominating fashion seeking to be influential and exercising authority over her husband. Mm. And the Apostle Paul is confronting this practice in general. Mm-hmm. He's, he's telling Timothy, 
don't put up with these false teachers, do something about it, confront them. And he's specifically calling the women to go home and learn. Let yeah. the women learn with all submissiveness. Mm-hmm. I'm not at this time permitting. I think that at this time is an important English rendering. It needs to go with that verb, permitting. Mm-hmm. It's not, I do not permit. It's not, I am not at this time permitting. It's not a forever prohibition. Mm-hmm. This particular woman, because we went from plural to singular, mm-hmm. or wife, because it's the same word, mm-hmm. to teach her husband. So right now, she should not be teaching. Mm-hmm. She shouldn't be having authority over her husband. Mm-hmm. She needs to go home. She needs to learn. Why? Same issue we have with Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. So this is not universal design language. This is, let me give you an illustration. Mm-hmm. Eve was not there when God said this thing that the husband knew and the woman didn't. Yep. She was deceived because of her lack of education. Mm-hmm. This is why she became a transgressor. Mm-hmm. And this makes sense of the end of the verse too, which is really tricky. I don't know if you saw this or not, but it mm-hmm. says... Yet, this is verse 15, she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Mm-hmm. What could that mean? Does it mean that women are only saved if they have babies? Yeah. Does it sound like that in English? Mm-hmm. It does sound like that. Yeah, does. Yet, she will be saved through childbearing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then you have to do something <laughs> with that passage. Some people will say it means she will be kept safe through childbearing because childbearing is inherently risky. Physically, mm. you could die. Yeah. So it could be that she'll be kept safe. So she'll be saved from death, not from like salvation, like eternal salvation. Mm-hmm. But what does that have to do with anything? Mm. What does that yeah. have to do with the price of eggs? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. And that's only predicated upon if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. Mm. So why does your behavior have anything to do with childbearing? Yeah. But if we're talking about the good news of salvation coming through the seed of the woman mm-hmm. which is what genesis three fifteen is about mm-hmm. that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the seed of the serpent yeah that there's ultimate salvation is going to come to humanity how through eve yep. bearing children mm-hmm. so if here at paul is actually referencing mm-hmm. adam and eve i am not permitting at this time this wife to teach or exercise authority over the husband mm-hmm. rather she's to remain quiet she needs to have self-control now Keeping silent, just like in 1 Corinthians 14, has been said of a lot of people, not just women. Yeah. Tongue speakers are called to keep silent. Mm-hmm. People who have a prophecy, they're called to get in line. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's supposed to have self-control over their mouth. Mm-hmm. And it's not a prohibition for utter silence. And nobody, it's not, it's not a coherent argument to say that it is. Mm-hmm. So that this woman needs to have some self-control, be quiet for a while, mm-hmm. not exercise authority over her husband. Why? Because like Eve, she wasn't properly educated. Mm-hmm. And therefore, she could be deceived and others would be deceived if she's teaching Mm -hmm. in this particular instance. Yeah. This is how Eve became a transgressor. Yet, and I think verse 15 is specifically talking still about Eve, not Mm -hmm. the wife in this instance. Yeah. Not the woman in Ephesus. Mm -hmm. Yet Eve, yet she will be saved through childbearing. Where did did Eve's salvation come from? Mm -hmm. Ultimately, the seed of the woman, Jesus our Savior. And how did we get to Jesus our Savior but through Adam and Eve having Seth, Leading to Noah, yeah. leading to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, mm-hmm. the tribe of Judah, the savior of the world through Mary. Yep. So salvation came through childbearing. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Had he had any children yet when this fall took place? Mm-mm. No. Yeah. Where did her salvation come from? Through her willingness to trust God and do what he made her to do. Yeah. Which was to bear children. Hmm. But only if they, the husband and the wife now, hmm. Adam and Eve in this instance, yep. continue in faith towards God. Hmm even though they're not perfect and they're in a fallen world and in love and holiness with Mm -hmm. self-control. If you will do what I made you to do, we will get to the point where salvation Mm -hmm. comes through childbearing. Does that make a lot more sense? Mm -hmm. So this is what I'm saying is you have to do something with these words. Now our listeners right now, we're wrapping up right here. Mm -hmm. Our listeners right now Mm -hmm. may go, I don't think that that, that's what that means. 
And that's fine. Mm-hmm. You tell me what you think it means. Yeah. <laughs> How does it make sense of the passage that is referencing? Mm-hmm. How does it fit into the narrative of the Bible? Mm-hmm. So that's the interpretive work I'm talking about. Yeah. And so these keys came to unlock this for me. Now there's more yeah. because there were some objections that I came to in my journey. Mm-hmm. Some of those objections were, okay, well, Adam called his wife Eve, the mother of all living. Yeah. Adam named her woman because she's bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Mm-hmm. Is there some naming authority? Is that, in, is that like a reference to authority that the man have? That's an important question to answer. Yeah. What about when we get to Ephesians chapter five and the apostle Paul says, wives submit to your husbands yeah. as unto the Lord, mm-hmm. that Christ is the head of the church and that mm-hmm. your husband's the head of the wife. Yeah. Doesn't that seem to in, uh, insinuate some authority and some oversight in some way that a woman needs yeah. to be deferred because of authority? Mm-hmm. And so we have to ask these questions about what does headship mean mm-hmm. and how is Christ the head of the church mm-hmm. and what parallels are there between men and women, husbands and wives, women in the church, as we look to this headship idea Mm -hmm. that's really important yeah also like why were there no female queens of Mm. of israel they were all kings Mm -hmm. why were there no female high priests why were the major prophets all named men even though there was prophets both male and female in the old and new testament Mm -hmm. the major prophets in the prophetic office kind of figured by elijah because on the mount of transfiguration Mm -hmm. jesus was joined by who moses and elijah law and the prophets Mm -hmm. these are all men Mm -hmm. why is it that jesus uh, chose 12 male apostles. Yep. He had lots of women disciples. Why mm-hmm. 12 male apostles? Mm-hmm. Why eldership being spoken to men? Let the elders who rule well be worthy of double honor. Mm-hmm. Elders ought to be husbands of one wife. Yep. Why doesn't it say the wives of one husband? Mm-hmm. So you have to ask these types of questions. There are obstacles to this conclusion and they're built into complementarianism. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying to you is if you take these challenges and you go to each of these passages, you will discover a key using a particular interpretive method that I call union with Christ as an interpretive method, Mm -hmm. which I'm stating my bias. I used to have this bias and now I'm bringing in this other bias Mm -hmm. that has Jesus at the center and our relationship with him as that interpretive method. And I'm telling you that it brings you to a completely different conclusion and a different way of interpreting these tricky passages. The conclusion is not complementarianism. It is not egalitarianism. Mm -hmm. It is interdependent co-regency. We rule together in our little area of dominion. That's Mm -hmm. as husbands and wives in their marriage, in their Mm -hmm. family, in their home, Mm -hmm. in their business, and that we do that in church, that where there is Mm -hmm. structures of leadership, it's not just about male leadership. It's Mm -hmm. not just particularly about eldership Mm -hmm. or episcopacy where there's a bishop and a cardinal and all these hierarchies of power. Those are all potential ways to organize a society mm-hmm. or an organization, but that the way that we best manifest the active presence of God and the gifts that God has given to the church mm-hmm. is to have men and women serving at every level of leadership and oversight, yeah. that there's no quote unquote office or quote unquote role that women are precluded from sitting in or mm-hmm. fulfilling. And there's nothing inherently special about men that makes us better at fulfilling those roles. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when men and women are doing this together mm-hmm. through interdependent co-regency, mm-hmm. we are going to experience the highest and best that God has in our marriages, in our families, in our churches, and in society. Mm-hmm. So obviously I didn't answer all of the tough questions. I yeah. just set up a bunch more of them. Yeah. <laughs> obviously this is going to require another episode. Yeah. But... The keys that unlocked this for me Mm -hmm. and that led me to the conclusion 
where your mom and I started leading Christ Church the way that we do, mm-hmm. even though she doesn't have the, the title pastor. Yeah. And the reason why we had no hesitation mm-hmm. to bring Honey Swihart on the staff yeah. and to easily give her the designation of pastor because mm-hmm. she very clearly has that calling oh, in her yeah. life uh-huh. is because this is our theological understanding from the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Not in spite of the scriptures, not because of the culture, yeah. but from the mm-hmm. actual scriptures. Yeah. So this is a big conversation. Mm-hmm. I know this is a lot yeah. for you to take in, <laughs> yeah. but does this make sense to you? Yeah. And just really quick, can you like restate the definition? I don't know if of interco-regency. I don't know yeah. if you said it, but can you just say it one more time? Just like mm-hmm. close to my brain. Just Good. So Thank I'm, you for asking. Yeah. Interdependent mm-hmm. co-regency. Mm-hmm. So dependent means I need you. Like right now, you're my dependent. Yeah. So um, when I file my taxes, I say Evie is one of my dependents. Why? Yeah. Because you depend on me. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot live alone yet, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. you are dependent on me. Yeah. Now in a marriage and in creation, men and women are created equal and different, Mm -hmm. to be interdependent. Yeah. A man needs a woman. Mm -hmm. And a woman needs a man. Yeah. Doesn't mean you can't be a single person. Mm -hmm. But you can't be a fruitful family without a man and a woman. Yeah. Physically. Yeah. And in life. Mm -hmm. Like, this is why if you're a single man or woman, you need male and female friends. Mm -hmm. And you need to be in community with men and women. Mm -hmm. Because it's not good for a man or woman to be alone. Yeah. So interdependence means men need women, women need men. Okay. Wives need their husbands, husbands need their wives. Mm -hmm. So that, that makes us value one another mm-hmm. and it makes us be everything God made us to be for each other. Mm-hmm. Interdependence. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Co-regency. Mm-hmm. Co meaning both of us. Mm-hmm. We're doing this together. Yeah. Regency meaning exercising power. Yeah. Okay. So interdependent co-regency means I value you as a woman. Yeah. And I'm looking to you to actually benefit me because of my limitation as a man. Mm-hmm. That's interdependence. Yeah. And I'm ruling alongside of you with respect, recognizing that you have the equal calling to rule that I have. Yeah, okay. But I don't have more of a ruling. Like right now I have more of a calling to rule than you do because I'm your dad. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. If I look to you and said, Evie, I don't know what to do here. Can you help me make this decision? <laughs> Would that make you feel safe and happy and like everything was going to be okay? Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. So there's a power differential between you and me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you're going to grow up into an adult mm-hmm. and, I, and you're going to move out and you're going to be on your own. And I'll always be here to help you and support you. Yeah. But you will not be dependent on me any longer. Mm-hmm. And I will not have any say in your life. Yeah. Except for that which you take from me mm. and you listen. Yeah. And if you care, you still have to make your own decisions. Mm-hmm. You see, at that point, you're completely independent of me. Mm-hmm. But you will also, hopefully, Lord willing, be married yeah. and have a family <laughs> uh-huh. and have a home mm-hmm. and have a calling and a business and, and be a productive member of society. Yeah. And in order to do that well, you and your future husband mm-hmm. will need to be interdependent. Yeah. You'll need to respect him mm-hmm. and love him and recognize he's different than you. And in some ways you really need him yep. and he will look at you and go, love you and see you as equal and recognize mm-hmm. there are ways that he desperately needs you mm-hmm. and that both of you can't do yep. what God made you to do without each other. Mm. Right? Yeah. Interdependent. Yep. And as you do that, now you're setting out together mm-hmm. to bring dominion to the sphere of oversight that God has given to you. Mm-hmm. So it's your dual job to raise your children. Yeah. Now, you will nurse the children. He will not, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, see, maybe he'll change poopy diapers at 2 a.m. and you will yeah. not. I don't know what, who will do what. Yeah. Because the Bible doesn't give us any of those things mm-hmm. beyond the physicality of women nurturing children and raising them. Yeah. Everything else is left to us together as parents mm-hmm. to figure out. Yeah. And a lot of that's going to be based on your disposition mm-hmm. and of your calling. Mm-hmm. And this is what mom and dad have figured out and what you've observed. Mm-hmm. But it's why there's not all marriages are the same. Mm-hmm. Some couples do things very differently than your mom and your dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So not all dads cook dinner every night. Yep. Not all moms do all the driving. I always mm-hmm. joke about that in the sermons. Yep. <laughs> but there's going to be other instances where, um, you know, 
a woman, we, we have friends who the woman makes way more money than the man. Her job's way more high paying. Yeah. And so there's been times when he stayed home with the kids and got them to and from preschool and did the home stuff because mm-hmm. she could provide better for their family. Yeah. And then there's times when they, she decided to come home and have babies and he went to work and they had less. Yep. <laughs> but none of those things are precluded because of quote unquote roles. Mm. So they, yep. they have to decide for each other. Mm-hmm. Who's going to do what and how and when mm-hmm. based on the way God made them as men and women and yep. based on what their callings and abilities and skills and opportunities are. Mm-hmm. And that is interdependent co-regency. Okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. Mm-hmm. I know it's a mouthful. Yeah. Maybe you can yeah. help me or one of our listeners can help me come up with a better word for it. Yeah. Complementarian just rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Egalitarian <laughs> just rolls off the tongue. Interdependent co-regency is a little bit of a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll work on the, we'll work on the word for mm-hmm. it, but that's the idea. Yeah. Okay. So that's what we're doing in church. Yeah. And I'll close with this. I want to invite anyone who's a part of the Christchurch family, mm-hmm. whether you're online in a different state, but you're following, or if you're right here right now and you're really grappling through this together. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm going to schedule in a couple weeks a night where you can come and have like a live Q and R. We'll record it. Oh. We'll share it as a part three of the podcast. Yeah. And we can work through this together. Mm-hmm. You can bring your objections. We can look to the scriptures okay. together, yeah. and we can do some community interpretation. Mm-hmm. We can do that out front and open. Yeah. We can be honest about our bias. We can evaluate the options, mm-hmm. and we can come to some conclusions and get through some hangups. But this is something that we're gonna we're gonna do together, and everyone's invited to participate. Yeah. Sound good? Yeah. Evie, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, of course. It was a good time. (laughs) And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll look Mm -hmm. forward to the next episode. We hope you enjoyed this week's deep dive into the scriptures. Our goal is to help you know Jesus better so that you can implement your identity in Christ, engage in your unique purpose and calling, and create community around your relationship with Jesus. For more content like this and opportunities to connect with us in person, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. 